morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, my my Zoom friend, I should say, Jennifer Nespola Lance from Kickbox. Jennifer, yay, we, we connect and we talk live at last. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. And I had to coax you just a little bit. I've I've learned over the years that the that the the sometimes quiet folks in the back of the room actually have the most interesting things to say. So I was like, I've got to get Jennifer to come on the show. Hey, tell people about Kickbox just for orientation. Yeah, definitely. So Kickbox is uh, at heart a verification email verification company. That's how they started, yeah. um, and they have expanded to include deliverability because our ultimate goal is to become a deliverability company. And so that's where I come in. That's where Al Iverson comes in. So Al's uh, focusing on the product to enhance it, yeah. to do um, like inbox monitoring, DMARC monitoring, block list monitoring, um, reputation monitoring. And uh, I head up the consulting services. So I, I deal with any clients that come in that are having durability issues or those who want to just do audits and see how their program's performing. Um, and so together, we're just covering the, the broad span of deliverability. Is it is it fair to say that nobody sending email at scale has zero deliverability problems? I think that's fair. <laughs> Although, you know, I, I there are some senders. It, it's actually, I, I know you're kind of joking when you say it, but when I think about it, everyone's going to bulk in some way, and it's not even necessarily a reputation issue. It could just be that you didn't sit well with someone. So there's no right. such thing as 100% deliverability, even if what you're doing is absolutely perfect. Well, deliverability is like, I'm going to riff a little bit. You can yell at me. Deliverability <laughs> s- strikes me as that it's the technical equivalent. You use the word reputation. It's like the technical equivalent of that social construct called reputation, right? I'm sure there's someone out there who just doesn't like me. Why did he say that? Or why does he start <laughs> that way? Or whatever. You know what? It's not 100% under my control. Now there's deliverability. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's and about right. At, at the same time, as you said, Kickbox uh, edging more and more into the deliverability space, there are ways to improve it, to make it better. There are things you can do or avoid doing uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to get the, ultimately to get the impact out of, uh, out of those outbound messages to your customers and prospects. Because if, if you don't reach them, it has no impact at all, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you've got a lot of background in deliverability specifically, don't you? Yes. I always forget how much. Because <laughs> like I've been in email since 2015. Okay. No, 2005. <laughs> Get, I'm like just the number. Just off just through a decade away. Just a zero, right? A one. It doesn't two. matter. Um, but I did different things throughout my time yeah. at the company. So yeah. I, I started coding emails. And then I went to um, leading the team as a team lead. And then I went to training. So I knew our platform. I knew how it worked. And I traveled a lot to train um, users of it and how to use it properly and all Mm -hmm. the things they could do with reporting and coding. And then I went to managing the production team. And then I got into deliverability. And that Mm -hmm. I just kind of fell into. But I I fell in love with it and I've stuck with it since. That's an interesting it's an interesting back and forth between, let's call it, you know, managerial side and technical side uh, mm-hmm. things that you do with your day. Not everybody manages to go back and forth. Uh, so good for you. <laughs> Did, I, 
I was always the type of person that um, I like to work. I like to work hard. And then I, I was never one. There are some people when I hear them speak, I'm like, oh, they're go-getters. They really go out and they reach for things. I always fell into things. Hey, Jen, you want to try this? And I, I always said yes. And so that that was my thing. Oh. And I was, I never knew what to look for, but if someone was like, do you want to try it? I was like, sure, why not? And then I just kept going. <laughs> yeah, well, and kept going quite, kept going quite well and, and successfully. You, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned Al Iverson. I have actually not spoken with Al, but I know he's, uh, he's, got, quite a, he's got quite a reputation in, in terms of his accomplishments mm-hmm. in this space. So fun to work with peers like that, huh? I... I feel like I benefit. I'm selfishly benefiting more than anyone being able to work with him because I, I ask him a lot of questions. And not only is he amazing at what he does, he is a a great person. And he's an ally and he, he's just someone that you can talk to about anything, but he never shies away when I'm like, hey, I got a, a rookie question for you. And he'll he won't just answer with a very simple. He'll give you background and resources and stuff. So he's been um for me, you know, and he was always someone as when I got into the rebuilding, he had already been doing it for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, I would read his articles and he's always gracious on giving information even when he didn't know me. Mm-hmm. And um, so being able to work with him and be like, oh, gosh, you were like my idol. Uh, been nice. fun for me. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the one of the fun things about a job where you get to acquire, you know, new knowledge, new skills is. It's going to be the people you work with that really mm-hmm. make that, I think, make that come come about to a considerable extent. So you end up at the at the back and forth phase between those technical efforts and 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 folks like Al and yourself and mm-hmm. actual customers. Right. You work directly with accounts. Yes. Yep. That's what I do in the consulting. So they'll come and say I'm having problems at Gmail. And then because we're not the ESP, I can't just go in and deep dive everything. So we we spend a lot of time educating in our audits. So we can say, well, give me all this information and then let's talk about what it is so that they can take that knowledge after the audit and apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they'll have to go into their tool and sometimes we'll do research or we'll reach out to our peers in the industry. And uh, that's another thing that's great about this industry. If you go to someone at an ESP and say, hey, I have a client, can you show me how to do this? Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, yeah, sure. Nice. Uh, you know, it's not one of those like, I'm not going to help you. Um, So it's been really nice. So we've been able to help clients say, hey, you didn't know what that branded domain is, but you need one. And let me show you how to do it. And, uh, you know, we do that through all of our partnerships and our, our connections and relationships with others. N- nice. So you end up you end up meeting people at all sort of at all levels and layers of mm-hmm. the email stack. On I was I was chatting with that with another guest yesterday, uh, I think. And and we were just going off a bit on how email looks simple because everyone's used to hitting send and how mm-hmm. much depth there is, how many layers, how many, you know, uh, bazillions of messages and, and literally thousands and thousands of people involved yes. in keeping the roads rolling. It's it's complicated mm-hmm. as heck. Yeah, very much. And I used to think it was super simple. And then I was like, it's not simple. <laughs> because when I started... Email code is like the basic form of HTML. Yeah. You know, when you think about web pages, they're doing crazy stuff with it mm. to make these pages interactive and beautiful. And you get to email and it's like you <laughs> go back to like ba- make a table 
and add colors and do this and, and go as simple as you can. But the rest of it's really complex. Yeah, yeah. And when you hear anyone talk on some of the industry threads about email and what they're doing, there's so much fit that I'm like, that's yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, but okay. Partially, it's the scale thing, right? When when there's 300 plus billion messages flying around a day, you've got mm -hmm. to figure there's some complicated stuff involved in making all of that work. Yeah. Uh, back to email HTML for a second, because you said you started as an email coder. Yes. <laughs> it is. It, I, if, if, you, if you haven't put your hands on that stuff, and particularly if you've put your hands on a modern, let's use the term, web page, <laughs> no idea the constraints that us poor email folks are fighting with. It's like I started web pages, web page activity in the 90s, and it still looks like that inside. <laughs> like I know. And to awful. make them beautiful and, oh. and engaging is really yeah. difficult. And I think that's why there's such a push to and, and people getting together to say, how do we make email really effective for customers? And so if you can't do it with the code, Mailbox providers are going to help you. Yeah. And so they start to roll out things like, I'm going to scan your email and figure out what's a travel email and I'll help highlight that. Or, you know, if you can just put some schema or some other codes in there, mm -hmm. this will really help the experience because we can't do much with the body of the email. It's really kind of boxed in, but I can do it in my tool. So just put a little bit more and I'll take that out and make it better within my interface. Or, you know, the people who try to push AMP and stuff like that. That's the only way that you can make these emails even more advanced at this point in time. There's a, there's a stage in the evolution of, of anything where there are things that just, they just don't change. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's too much of it out there. You know, I'm making this up to make the point. Are we going to ever change the electrical plugs in the walls in American homes? No. Why? Because there's too many plugs out there. Right? And as much as, as I kick about email HTML and like how 90s it is, I don't <laughs> think we're actually going to change base standard. I think we're, I think we're going to keep using it for, for, for the future. Probably. I'm sure there's something out there working on working mm. something. Um, but, you know, you think about electric cars and how the car is advanced. You have to have the motivation and the purpose to say, we almost have to force it. We almost have to force um, it, yeah. But I think it could change. We just have to figure out what is it that will help move that needle. And there has to be a you know, compelling reason. And I suspect there's enough people go, well, I, you know, I already get enough email and it already looks good enough, enough, good enough, sufficient, okay. that, that, that getting hurting all of the cats into one place one hypothetical place to make a change. Whoop, said to be a lot of work, a lot of expense and things like that. I think uh, I think I read on probably on litmus in litmus data that there's something like fifteen thousand combinations of email client, operating system, device, etc. Yeah. Like but if you're trying to make an email look pretty and you want to look pretty on everything, there's a lot of everything's out there. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, I yeah. would say. I think with a lot of stuff, um, whether it's silverability or coding, I, I don't, and I don't, maybe this isn't the right philosophy, but you don't need to be perfect. 
you need to be perfect for the people who are going to interact with you. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. you don't need to be perfect for everyone, especially if they're not going to read your mail. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's like setting this bar way too high. If someone's like, oh, you know, this really obscure client is yeah. having a pixel gap. It's like, well, what's yeah. the benefit? Like yeah. three hours of work that yeah. might cost you X for the specialist to code it. Yeah. For someone who may or may not even click. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a flipping expensive pixel line, isn't? It? Yeah. <laughs> to to to, uh, to 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 fix it, and at the same time, there there's a bit of a black box problem where we don't really we don't always know either how many of them there are. Though we we can get closer okay. to that, or what effect that thing that we think is a problem is actually <laughs> having. You know, did this yeah. email do better because it had a pixel gap or not? <laughs> right. Did it actually enhance? <laughs> yeah, really. Did it actually enhance the experience? Well, I mean, we're on the we're on the back end of the email space adapting to mobile, which I know was pretty wrenching for a while. You must have been in the middle of that, actually. I remember when responsives. Oh, I don't want to yeah. say first came out, but when we first, when I was coding and we started dealing with responsive, it as someone who was coding the emails, and yeah. I didn't come from a an engineering or development background yeah you got a marketing well, degree what are you doing here again i fell into it i was at a media company yeah and i when i when i actually was interviewed to join the esp mm -hmm. they were interviewing me to be an account manager and then but they had a content specialist role open the one that codes emails and like would you like to try it again it was one of those i was like sure why not, sure, why not? because <laughs> i had a smidge of experience with html from my time uh, working at the Space Grant Consortium at Penn State because I was helping just keep their web pages update. So I knew just enough code. <laughs> and because email's so simple, they're like, I, you could do it, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just so, so, um, so simple. And here 15 years later, I know. still learning stuff about it. Exactly. And so the responsive part was interesting because I didn't spend a lot of time understanding like uh, the media tags and all that stuff. So I had to learn a lot of that, but it was fun when you're QAing and you're opening and closing the window to see how it changes and then making sure that it still looks good, has the, the flow that the email should have and yeah. what do you want to hide? And, and the, even within my time there, how they did responsive, uh, or mobile changed. Yeah. Um, so now if I were to go back, I don't, I'm curious how much it changed from when I left. Um, Probably not much. <laughs> so this is a this is a curveball way to bring it in, but um, we're sitting here having this conversation after Chat GPT has shot up to something like a hundred million users in a matter of months. And I found myself thinking at one point, one of the messy problems that I would love to have AI solve for me. Okay. Oh, you know, hey, Skippy the robot, would you please write this email template? Because I'm just tired of fighting with these stupid pixels and tags. And if someone can have AI deal with email templates, okie dokie. I don't see that as a loss to civilization at all because it's too damn fussy to really devote your brain to over and over and over. You yeah. Know? Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. I mean, most email marketers, like when I think about the actual platforms, um, if there's a way that they could potentially do that for like self-serve, like here's some templates you can use. Mm -hmm. A lot of those are already coded. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if a marketer would want to spend the time with that because with any code, you have to QA it. Mm -hmm. So you could spit out the code 
and then say everybody use this and as soon as you qa you're like oh, yeah Soft. they forgot to they forgot it's using word and now you have to redo it all so um maybe i i just with how i've used or used to code i'm i'm curious how somebody would implement that and knowing how tiny cuz the other thing i think about when i was coding emails like not just how do you make it responsive but um how do you want um all the dynamic pieces to come in yeah. so that i don't think you could do with easily with chat gpt unless you did you infuse it in some way cuz there's a lot of dynamic stuff that when you code it you actually have to change the html to accommodate this dynamic piece you have to throw in for this group of 10,000 the next people might have a different piece of code that you have to throw in mm -hmm. and so those are things that you still can't really get away from that human touch of how you want to plan hmm. how it comes and swaps around right right it's gonna the the, the messy creative problems will probably stay in our hands at least for a while right yeah yeah. You think AI will end up here. You think AI will end up being able to help with deliverability fundamentally? In some ways, sure. Um or machine learning. I mean there's 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 something that can I mean it helps with spam filtering. So why can't it help with deliverability? Right, right. Um and maybe not AI, but uh, the, well, there is some AI. I'm, I still have Chat GPT in my head, but AI is used and machine learning is used. So definitely, I I don't know um, how it would be deployed for deliverability, but I'm sure it could. I'm sure spammers are going to try and also say, yeah, yeah. I want to use it in some way so I can reverse engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, yeah. which is the, for me the dangerous part of some of this. Well, one of the I think one of the realities that don't stick AI in a in a in a box is not going to stay there for long. But we're already using a whole bunch of things that under the hood are AI machine learning. Like pick your mm -hmm. pick your favorite uh, set of related fields. It's already there, right? Go Google saying you're a spammer, you're not. There, fundamentally, there there are uh, AI algorithms involved in that classification, right? So it's already it, it's already there. I think, I think it's likely to be a more pervasive everywhere thing than a an uh, an oracle in the sky machine that we all uh, talk to and and mm -hmm. uh, down to and stuff like that. It's like, you know, how many electric motors are there in your car? Hundreds, right? So there was a point where electricity was, you know, one generator per company, and everything had to connect to the one generator, and now we've got electric motors and generators all over the place. I think AI is going to do that same kind of dispersion where it's going to do a particular job. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll have the right piece of it to, to do that particular job. Right. Or completely wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the beginning. So it's kind of fun to like theorize or have hypotheticals of where it's going. And yeah. I, a part of me wants to go back and think about some of the science fiction movies out there. Because when you think about all the science fiction, now some of them are like, in 2020, this is what you'll see, and it obviously has not occurred yet. Yeah. But it's amazing where those minds, the people who write that stuff up, where they go, and sometimes it's actually realized. Yeah. So part of me wants to go back to, like, or some of the books about where the future is going to be and yeah. and say, is that realistic knowing where we are today? Right. right. You know, Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke predicted, theorized, um, 
you know, geosynchronous satellites before anyone was capable of chucking them up there uh, mm-hmm. into orbit. It turns out he was right. It works. <laughs> right? We depend on it now. Yeah. Nav system in your car. Arthur C. Clarke. Pretty direct line. Wow. You sci-fi buff? Um, I dabble. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a buff, though. I enjoy it. <laughs> hey, when you got when you've got uh, when you've got kids, your 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 reading has to get squeezed into a smaller space. That's my experience. <laughs> What's reading? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. It's it's that thing we do in little tiny fragments in between this, that, and the other. Right. Or you at the point now? Sometimes I'll read a blurb, and then I'll get to the end, and I'm like, I don't know what I just read. <laughs> either burn out or you you spent the whole time listening to your kids fight in the background and you're like it wasn't really reading here <laughs> i was well, you, contemplating how to you know yeah. uh, referee this discussion yes, yes. <laughs> well you've got the you've got the double down going right small kids and uh the 21st century uh you know flood of information that we're all trying mm-hmm. to trying to grapple with and not necessarily doing that well that um how do you keep up professionally like how do you keep learning about the space aside from picking al's brain so i uh we're part of mog which is awesome um there are so many smart people and i i i go there and it's so exciting because you again everyone in the industry is well happy to share information you just start picking their brains and say mm-hmm. you know a lot of it when you know they talk about anti-abuse so that's a whole another field that I haven't really dove into yet. And so to see like, what are you seeing and have them talk about that? And then they'll talk about what they're doing to address it, which sometimes I don't understand, but I'm like, Oh, it's fast. I didn't know people could do that. Or, you know, and then I get home and I really want to burn my computer, uh, turn off the electricity, just get rid of it all. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I try to read, there's a lot of great, um, really smart people out there that aren't just educating on the topic as it stands today, but they're forward thinkers. And I, I love to read what, what they're thinking or what they're predicting. Um, so, you know, I do a lot of that. Like I kind of carve out a little bit of time every day yeah. on my work day because yeah. I can't do it during my personal time yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to say, you know, here's an hour or half an hour, even 15 minutes, really just go read these particular blogs or, or resources yeah. I, I subscribe to um, like media posts. There's only influencers. Mm-hmm. There's um, obviously Al's blog word to the wise. I uh, am a part of mail op. So I'll read what I can in that little bit of time. I, I have it marked off as professional development and I make sure I spend that time doing that. Um, Sometimes I'll learn a lot and sometimes it, it, it'll it just be like some random updates. But mm. for now, that's the starting. And then if I am at conferences, I, I really try to say, I'm at a conference right now. I'm not going to read email. I want to go to these sessions and see different perspectives. Even if I know the topic, I love to hear how else other people view it and how they educate or um, entertain an audience with the topic to say, what about this is going to be helpful to you? And just find different perspectives. So I find that very fascinating. Another way to teach myself on how to advance like what I'm doing. And good for you. It's I'm irked with people who go to conferences and sit on their laptop. Oh, someone's talking. Like, why did you fly here? 
seriously, yeah. if you're going to keep, you know, keep tending the beast, because the beast is not going to ever quiet down. He's just going to mm-hmm. get, you got to watch your attention all the time. I, I noticed the other day, in fact, there's one sitting right here on, you know, actual books that I, I, I really need to read for things that I'm doing. And it occurred to me, I almost never give myself permission to, to read a book during work hours. Mm-hmm. Tons of them afterwards, but somehow I'd be like, guilty, bad, not getting work done. That's work. But it is work if it's improving you. So just cut out a little bit, even if it's 10 minutes, do yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll put that in my. Hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll declare it a four day work week, and you know, day five can be I get to just read stuff. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I love that. That'd be awesome. I think you know we should just have four day work weeks anyway. Do you think we'll get <laughs> you know how refreshed you are after a three day work week? Oh, weekend. There are a lot of people saying we should, you know, that we we all of us should shift in. There are there are any number of companies who have mm-hmm. made the experiment, found it successful, and and gone there i've never had a four-day work week on a consistent basis what right you're right i think that'd be awesome yeah like i remember um you know the parent company of kickbox they they have um breather days for us uh once a month they'll let you have like a half day and i remember like the one day i think i almost like cried because i was like i can vacuum the floor it was so simple, but it was just, and it's just one of those things that life gets busy and you have to prioritize. But it was one of those, like, I can finally do something that is so mundane and yeah. boring. And, yeah. But it made me so happy. True. Yeah. It's, and, and you probably, you know, more energetic, more engaged, plugged in, you know, the day after that than you would have been if you hadn't had that day off. Um, did were you already working virtually when we did that wonderful pandemic lockdown experiment? Yeah, I've been working remote um, since 2014. Mm-hmm. And then prior to that, I was working remote quite a bit because when I was doing the training role, I was traveling so much and I was doing a lot of webinars. So the way the office was designed, it somebody called it a call center because that's what it felt like. So like I'd be training and you have someone behind me either chatting work stuff or just chatting personal stuff. But then I'd be walking back and forth. and, And so it just became too difficult for me to focus on who was on the other side of the computer yeah um, they may have been fine but i was having a hard time so i've been working from home for quite some time um, it, I, I remember one of the one of the things i had to learn it, as we were in the middle of the pandemic lockdown stuff was that i had already thought of that as fairly normal and a lot of people i think probably skewing in digital fields had as well but it wasn't for a lot of folks. For a lot of folks, no. it was this wrenching, wham, the door just got slammed. What yes. do you mean I'm going to try and do that from if they even had the space to do it in, right? Yeah. Kids, be quiet. My, you know, dad's trying that, to, mom's trying to, whatever. That was a whole nother level. Having yeah. kids, like working from home was one thing, but having kids and working from home, that was like, I went into it like, I'm going to be this awesome mom. I have plans. We're going to have this time set aside. I had it all planned out. And then it happened and I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You, yeah. You want to make the universe laugh, tell a kid you've got a plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're right though. Like I think about other people who are like, how do you work from home? I, I can't concentrate. And I'm like, oh, if I'm around people, I can't concentrate. Because when I was in the office, I was like, hey, yeah. uh, what, what are you doing over there? And I it just, it was, it was, if there were people, I wanted to be around people. So working from home was actually helped me focus more. Huh. But then when you talk to others who ne- who didn't work that way, they were like, I can't. I'll turn on the TV or I throw in a load and I do this and I do that. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, it was it was strange for me, but it was, it, it you know, when the pandemic hit, it was hard for a lot of people. And I yeah. think, yeah, but the nice thing, though, is I think it helped to open the eyes of a lot of companies that said that can give that freedom to people who can respect what you need to do when you work from home. And if you come from a any type of, let's say, urban environment where it takes you an hour in and an hour home. Now people have two more hours of their lives that they can actually use yeah. instead of just sitting in a car. Yeah, I tend to agree. I I tend to agree, but and but I have worked from home and I do it well. And sounds like you do as well. And you're right, it's not for everybody. And I think we don't know what the experiment's really gonna pan out as in terms of the effect on collaboration, collegiality, relationships, all of that other stuff. Um, you know, you've got companies like Apple who are saying, nope, you know, get your buns back to the office. You got companies saying, what office? We, you know, we got rid of them. Um, yep. And who's going to outcompete who with those different approaches? I, I don't think we really know the answer yet. I, I, do, like, I do like that it seems to have put some, a bit more choice in, in the hands of the you know, person actually doing the work like hey as long as i get done when yeah. i'm supposed to get done why do you care where my you know where my what chair my buddy's in at the moment i agree and you know i said the other day i was watching a little bit of tv and a commercial came on and it was a five-hour energy commercial and it was talking and i can't remember the exact sequence but it was something like you know you you use it in college so you can study and and then it showed like <laughs> later in life okay you use it you know while you're have a young kid at home and you're waking up at all hours and you use it because you're running around all these games and what and I just stopped and I was like it's sad that our lives are so busy we require supplements to get through the day and so when I think about the commute and being able to like just have a little bit more time to just live it, that's why I, I find yeah that was my this was at least the one nice takeaway I don't even want to say it because the pandemic was terrible but like from it, something at least came that allowed people to like at least have some time again. Did and it 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 broke a set of assumptions up that were never particularly well founded in the first place about mm-hmm. what might work and what might not work. No, guess what? We're gonna we're gonna force the experiment. And oh look, it worked a lot better than the naysayers thought it would. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I don't think we'll stuff that back in the bottle anytime soon. I think there'll be a lot of adjustment and accommodation. Mm-hmm. I had a creative director when I was running a different company, like almost 20 years ago, a creative director got hired on. She was, the company was in California. She was in Vermont. And okay. she's like, oh, great. Yeah, I've always wanted to work from home. And man, within three days, she was going bananas. Oh. She was stalking us all on Skype, which is what we used at the time. Like you show up in the morning and she's on it. Why? She was 
she was going nuts. She wanted, needed the social interaction. We ended up paying for desk space at another company so she could be surrounded by human beings to do her job. Oh, wow. It's just how she was wired. No right or wrong. It was, it was, it was good. Um, and we, we got completely off email. Look at that. How did that Yeah, well, done? sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. All, all, of, all of the pieces relate to each other. Uh, but let's, let's dot them back together. Um, email used to be almost the only sort of digital channel that companies ran on, right? Think early in your career. It was like email was constant. Mm-hmm. And almost everything seemed to flow through that. And it, while it still does, there's still plenty of flow, no shortage of stuff in your inbox. I think there are lots of competitive channels, both personally and professionally now. You've got at work, you've got, you know, email plus Slack channels plus CRMs, et cetera. And home, you've got certainly at least one inbox, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll bet you're more likely to text with your friends and family than you are to email them, correct? Yep. So where's email going to fit as we keep multiplying all of the digital channels that we can use? I think it'll still fit. I mean, there's still a need to communicate that way because it can be like one location. You can have an email where everything flows into one. Now, I'm sure that it could, you know, your phone is one, but you want to use that because... I'm not the fastest typer, even with, you know, the QWERTY board gone or whatever, the little, you know, tap three times just to get to see. Um, and then there's like autocorrect, but still there's a limitation to what you can do. Yeah. Um, so that's why texting is very quick and you use shortened words. Um, but I think email's nice because when you have an email account, everything can flow into one versus if someone's like, oh, I'm going to push everything through my app. Well, if you are a customer of or a consumer of content of a hundred things, you don't want a hundred apps necessarily. Right. And email is your way to just have that consolidation. Yeah, the consolidation for coming up words for me. Um, so I think there's still a need for it. Uh, I can't say it'll be there forever, but email has been proclaimed dead many times yeah. and yet it's still there. Yeah, it's so. still there. I, I think there's also a, a control Thing that matters like my inbox i can decide who's in or out what i get don't get what i subscribe to uns- try to unsubscribe from and i, I know that's not, not always easy it's kind of part of the business that you're in right but um it, it's relatively difficult for someone to take an email inbox away from a person um uh, mm-hmm. you know my carrier got chapped at me they could take my cell phone number away i suppose and that would be kind of a disaster, but I don't want everything coming through my text messaging app. That'd be even more of a disaster. Yeah. It's that's, that's the reserve, you know, high interrupt, high priority. I only want to only want known people to connect to me through that particular channel. Whereas emailing, that's okay. Email, email me so I can ignore you there. Um, right. I mean, it's the sense of, it's tolerance, really, mm. and how it easy it is to manage. So if you think about direct paper mail, mm. you don't really complain too much about the junk mail. I do because I'm like, you're killing a tree. Right. Um, but, you know, the it's easy to go, 
you can quickly glance and trash yeah. it, recycle yeah. it. Yeah. Um, email. The email providers are making it much easier to do that for you. I've got tabs and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And um, it is your inbox and you can get annoyed, but it's much easier to manage. Your phone, to me, they're they're coming up with ways to also make them more manageable. Some of the providers with their messaging apps are making categories and stuff, which is helpful. But at the same time, when that gets inundated, it is not easy to quickly just scroll through and get rid of stuff. And yeah. it and that is your main at this point in time, it's most people's main communication for one to one. So if you interfere with that, that becomes a lot more um offensive to be like you are in a place you shouldn't be and um you know not everyone also knows how to complain or report on that stuff which is <laughs> something i think everyone needs to um i would love to help educate people on to be like if this isn't if you didn't want this report yeah. it forward it 7726 or use the application to market a spam um to really protect that and maybe one day it'll be something different but for now that is your very personal space. We we haven't had as much abuse and spam in the text channel as I thought we might. And I, I know there are I know that there are actual there are legal boundaries with some teeth to them that may play a role there, right? If if I get an unwanted text, I can make it very expensive for the guy on the other end, which means he probably didn't start in the first place if he knows that that's possible. So that's that's one. Um, but I also think we'd be likely to push back a lot harder. Unwanted email, you kind of go, eh, eh, right? and you can blow it off. It's a tolerance word you used. But an unwanted text or two or three of them in a row, I'm, I'm going to lose my temper really fast at that because of what you said. It's like, I didn't want you that, you know, that, I didn't want you in that channel. That's I'm saving that, right? That's for one-to-one. -one. That's for people I said could, things like that. And, and it it's also controlled by fewer parties, I think. So with mailboxes, true. anyone can spin up a mailbox. It's true. Uh, you know what I mean? And well, maybe not anyone, but <laughs> there's a lot of options out there and they all have different rules and they don't always talk to one another. And with your, your carriers, they work very closely together. They, you know, they're controlling a, a small number of carriers are controlling a lot of um, the pathways. Yeah. So I think they, that can help control it. There's also, like you said, better laws. And yeah. I think, you know, I'd love for CanSpam to be updated, but more importantly, I'd love for a data law to be out there to be like, you shouldn't even have that person's data, let alone message them. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Do you think we'll get there? Data law. I think so because, um, you know, the states are making paving the way and yes. at some point someone's gonna be like i don't want to deal with 50 laws yeah yeah just just do it already just yeah. make it federal yeah yeah because the state laws i mean california has made an impact with their privacy law but still aside from the expense of navigating 50 different ones as you as you alluded to i think there are people who will still ignore it because they their likelihood of getting wrapped in the knuckles in California is low enough. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we are lagging. We, the U S are lagging there. Most other nations have kind of gotten their data and privacy, uh, house in, in, in some degree of national order where we haven't quite figured it out yet. Right. 
Mm, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be um, it's gonna be fun to watch though, because there are enough. There's enough value on both sides of the equation. There are those who benefit from the mess and the current mm -hmm. wild west <laughs> who are gonna want to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how that's gonna pan out. I've actually got a. You were you were involved with the uh, with the ESPC, weren't you? You were on the board of the yes. ESPC for a while. Email sender provider coalition. Mm -hmm. um, when I was at Zeta, they were a right. board member, and so I got to step into that role for a little bit of time. Um, so that was that was really fun and being uh, being able to participate and hear the discussions around the laws that were coming out, yeah. um, what they were doing, how alike they were to one another, how different they were when some have private right of actions and some don't. Yeah, big deal. Um, so, you know, to continue to see at the time, I feel like it was only a handful of states and now there's a lot more that yeah. have rolled something out. Yeah. The degree varies, but yeah. it's nice to see each one's like, okay, we we need to do something because I do think that people are understanding the, it's not just about a marketer has my data. Ooh, it's the volume, like the data breaches. And if you shouldn't, you know, why do you have this person's data if they're not really interacting with you? Because now they're at risk if someone breaches your database and, and does something with it. It's, you know, the selling of people's data and they don't even know it's being sold. Right. right. You know, it's there's all these other things that I think if someone was like, oh, I don't care, that's fine. But nobody even knows any of this stuff is happening. So it, it's it's there's no choice because no one knows they have a choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and we end up paying we end up paying a cost without sometimes without realizing it, I think. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The psychological toll of someone being in a better position to try to influence me because they have data about me is mm -hmm. a cost that I'm paying without realizing it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a trivial example to bring up, but you know, go spend 10 minutes on the web shopping for fill in the blanks, garden hoses, whatever. I don't care. And then watch, right. watch what pop starts popping up as you do other things. Oh, why am I seeing yet another garden hose ad? I don't, right. you know, I don't want it anymore, but it's profitable. It's easier. Mm -hmm. If there's an inference that that's what I'm interested in to chase me down and right. show me more of those. I want the, right. I want the magic button that says, I bought the hose. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Back off now. <laughs> yeah. But then you also have those people uh, who, like, um, I think I was looking at something and my husband was. And then he's like, I'm starting to see ads for this, Jen. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, sorry. Yeah, I didn't do it. Uh, and then that's simple between us. But imagine in a family or with kids and they're looking at something and you know, now it's revealed to parents and vice versa. And yeah. so it it starts to go way beyond the fact that you have a data point about someone. It's yeah. influencing so much more than that. Well, and in the inadvertent one. I've I've maintained a separate Amazon. My wife and I have separate Amazon accounts because there's no cotton picking way to surprise her ever if I don't have a separate Amazon account, right? She'd be like, <laughs> right. "Why are you shopping for fill in the blanks? <laughs> it's your birthday. Sorry, honey, busted." <laughs> okay, we just do the oh, it's your birthday. Yeah, have birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have birthday. You stick it, stick in the list. I'll, I'll I'll actually hit the buy button, so it'll be like present. <laughs> Just put it in there on the day of. Right, yeah, something. 
Well, there you go. If, Amazon, if anyone from Amazon is listening, you need a you need a sort of a secret shopper function where, with a shared account, I can go look for something, stash it away without it coming back and popping up in my you know significant other's face if she happens to be logged in as well. Right? That's cool. And with that, your searches would go with it. Good. Good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that 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 would be nice. Um. Back to the back to sort of email text domain for a second. Uh, do, 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 does Kickboxer, do you end up professionally grappling with companies that are starting to bridge from email marketing into email and SMS marketing? It affect well, your, your professional life at all? Not too. It did a little bit in my old, my old, in my old life. Um, I think there is a, a knee and or, there's an appropriate reason to do both mm -hmm. um, some people are fine with sms and i think that's okay um i think when you shove it down their throats that's where it gets a little bit much or if you get egregious with i'm going to send them daily communications that's too much you have to just understand when it's appropriate mm. when it's timely to do sms versus email um do you have any SMS, like actual marketing side subscriptions where you've said, yes, I want to hear from company X in the form of SMS? To get a coupon. <laughs> and then I hit stop. <laughs> I, yeah, same, same. In fact, there's two companies I think that I, I have not, I've not hit stop yet because it's, it's kind of fun watching the little science experiment. And what I see is from the sample set of two. They are doing now what email marketing was doing almost 20 years ago. Like they seem mm -hmm. to think that the only possible use of this channel is in sale, sale, sale. Right. And what it's trained me to do is to just wait. Like if they've yes. got a widget that I'm interested in, I'm like I'll just wait because sooner or later they can send me a message saying that widget is on sale and then I'll yep. spend less on it. So kind of backfiring on them in my yeah. humble opinion because the only thing they ever tell me is, Oh, amazing, fantastic sale. And it's, it's gonna, it'll, it'll be here tomorrow as well, right? They're right. training me to just wait for the best price instead of acting on their message, which is kind of ironic. Yeah. I like SMS for bill alerts. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Account alerts to make sure there's like no fraud or suspicious activity. Mm -hmm. So those are things I want to know about now. So that's Dentist appointments. Dentist appointments are great. Yes. Love that pop-up. Yeah. Any type of health appointment. Yeah. yeah. Um, any appointment, I should say. <laughs> really, but something that you need to know because you can't yeah. miss it. And yeah. a sale can be missed. Yeah, a sale can be missed. You're a right. newsletter can be missed. But and the other stuff, I don't want to miss if there's a suspicious activity on my credit card. Or, right. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, or so, something like that. Yeah. Earthquake, I, earthquake alerts. I mean, I don't have those. There was a... <laughs> I, it was a couple of years ago, but there was a tornado of all things. Gosh, I think it was in Colorado near where my mom lives. And I remember reading an article about it. The, they actually managed to do the reverse 9-11 and push a notification to all devices in the area that says tornado coming, you know, warning, warning in advance. So right. they used that alert notification thing uh, as a mass broadcast successfully, which I thought was kind of... Wow. That seems like a good thing to me. Yes. Yeah. I 
And then I also think that SMS is great, but because it's not as what well, anything can be abused. But I think <laughs> the abuse side of it, too, because you only have so much you can put in an SMS. So, you know, if someone reads something that's not written uh, in proper grammar or something like that, they might just think it's SMS. It's fine. And so, you you know, the abuse might be easier to um and go through from beginning to end and actually get someone through. You don't also see as much, whereas on the web or an email, there's a lot of other visual indicators when you can see, oh, this email's it's suspect. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but true. SMS, you don't necessarily see all of that. Um, and I, that's where I'm like, oh, man, it can be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And with all of this, too, you know, I, I'm always curious, like, how much youth is learning about the dangerous side of it because they're using technology even more than we did um, growing up. So I, I think about that too. How are they using SMS? Because our, you know, we grew up with email. Email is the way to communicate. Is it the case with the younger generations or is it, you know, they're using other apps or whatever. And then how are they thinking through how much visibility do they have to some of this? Are they blindly just interacting or? So, so here's a here's a decent professional and personal wrap up question to to <laughs> chuck at you, and I won't hold you to it. Neither will they. About what age do you think you're likely to either allow or help your kids have an email account? Oh, an email account. That's gonna be. I find that a little hard because I don't know like at what age schools require it. Fair. Uh, so, fair. I, I, to my knowledge, I've not seen schools requiring an email account at least up through middle school age. But I had a guest, a uh, podcast guest the other day who said he set up email accounts for his kids like the minute they were born and sent them pictures and stuff. That's a fun little sweet Isn't that thing. clever? Yeah. That is very sweet. And then, then, then they're older, they can open it up. Yes. I'm going to go through these. I, they probably won't go through like the 500 emails or whatever that's there. Maybe. But don't know. That's very sweet when you when you think about it that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm i not sure when I'm going to do that if, because I if think the school didn't require it. What's your gut? Oh, goodness. I don't know. Probably teenager. It really depends on the maturity of each child. Like if I can explain to them, you can do this and they get it. Mm-hmm. And if they were nine, then perfect. If they're at nine, they were like, obviously, like, oh, it's an animal. I'll click on it. Then no. Right. Right. <laughs> so Danger I think issues. for me, and it's just I have to determine, like, when we're interacting on some type of technology, do they understand when I say don't do this or don't do that? Yeah. And yeah. can they replicate it on their own? Yeah. Um, or you put very strict settings on their accounts until you feel they can do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be a solution. My, my experience, and my kids are older, considerably older than yours, but when they hit the applying for college stage, they mm-hmm. had to have an email account. I had set them up earlier right. than that, and they ignored it. But when when college applications became a thing, at least at that point in time, that was the channel. College was like, all yeah. of this stuff is going to come back and forth in email. Mm-hmm. I watched that, and that was their on-ramp to email, I think their use before that was relatively small. 
But now they've each got multiple accounts. They're used to it for business, work, personal, et cetera. It's like, it's your home address, kid. Like, sorry, right. you're going to have it. You're going to use it for probably the rest of your life. Right. And I mean, I mean, to your to your point right there, I don't even know if they need email up into that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess they could do online shopping, but usually I don't know if they do it on their own without help from the parents. So, yeah, it's sure. harder for it's harder for kids to get credit cards still, thankfully. <laughs> I, I think my first email account was. In 1998 or something like that, I remember I was like. It, someone someone said a friend of mine set it up for me like hey and i go what's email <laughs> like yeah. i remember not knowing what it was and i'm like but what do you do with it and like, go on the, and i remember being going to the library to go on the internet because we didn't have internet at home and sitting there and you dial up and stuff yeah. and it, just like wishing somebody would email me because i had it but i had no you know friends who also had email accounts so it's right. like at that time we didn't need it and i'm not sure if kids need it terribly that much today until they get a little older and they they need it for a more professional reason and i don't think they'll get the same thrill out of you got mail as <laughs> uh some of us did at particular points in time when it was a rarity yes now it's not gonna you know any kind of digital message everybody now, hang up the phone it's my turn <laughs> i need to get on the was, back when there was one phone in the house or, or maybe yeah. phone and and an extension or something yeah. like and a really long cord. And a really long, I liked the really long cord. Yeah, I could go, I could pace the house with a really long cord. <laughs> Jump rope with it. And then cordless phones. Oh, this is so high tech. I could go I almost to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff uh, has changed a wee bit, huh? You should have a separate podcast about technology and, and like back in, I don't know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and what is it today? Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me because I can actually play. I can play an age card there. I I lived in such a small town that we had four digit dialing and party lines. That's awesome. And I was talking with uh, Georgetown class for Gene Jennings, mutual friend of ours, and I said party line, and then it occurred to me, and I said, "I'll bet you have no idea what I just said, did you?" And one of the students was like, "Yeah, I don't know what a party line is." Holy mackerel. Uh, social media for farmers. Kind of, kind of. <laughs> well, cool. Well, it's, uh, it's not going to stop changing. That's what I, it's my bet. And I'm glad I we've agree. got people like you helping make all of the things work. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Any parting words? Oh, I don't know. Just stay safe online. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy stuff out there. And, um, yeah, that's probably all I got. <laughs> that's okay. That's 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 not a bad note to end with. Well, my guest today has been. You can use all three words, Jennifer Nespola Lance, because that's a, that's your um, yes. that's your uh, your kick your kick kickbox. And you had a you learned Italian. Was that in college or before? Yeah, uh, I mainly learned it in college. In college, I okay, a little bit beforehand. So it just it jumped out at me like, how cool is that? Well, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for making the time, Jennifer. You've been a wonderful guest and we'll get this out and we'll share it with the world. Thank you so much for having me. Hope you have a great day. Bye, everyone. Me too. We're out.